People, 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 good morning, good morning, good morning. You already know who it is, man. It's Arsenio Buck reporting live on this Saturday morning. I'm so grateful for all of you out there, as always. I hope you guys are tuning to me, uh, tuning in to me on Instagram because I'm now putting up daily success affirmations. Now, of course, these affirmations, uh, they could be just about anything. Uh, it could be for gratitude, it could be for success, it could be for work, it could be for job-related, romantic relationships. It all depends. I put all types of things up. So follow me on Instagram, The Arsenio Buck Show, as always. And I'm very, very excited uh, because my graphic designer, she just finished my PDF. So I'm going to be posting my own personal pdfs very very soon which are going to be very enticing but i do suggest that everyone gets uh what is it well this is actually for my education students but i might be posting things in terms of creeds on there also just you know printable things that you can print for free on my website and whatnot but um yeah i do suggest that you guys get the color ink man because if you guys don't get color ink you guys aren't gonna get the full load of it so anyways i'm gonna have to have it in black and white too i understand so, guys, if this is your first time tuning in today, if this is uh, the first time you're tuning in to this specific book, this is called The Masks of Masculinity. Now, I emphasize masks because I have students out there that do not pronounce the last S. Now, I was one of those people that never did pronounce the last S. Anyways, let's get into this, guys. So, basically, The Mask of Masculinity, it revolves around the different types of masks that men have on. Um, now, of course, some of these masks relate to different cultures, like, uh, it, just different things in general. It just really, really all depends. But we got the Stoic Mask, which I've already covered. Uh, the Stoic Mask is basically, you know, the, the history of everything, you know. What men were always perceived to do, you know. They were supposed to be strong. They weren't supposed to show emotion. They weren't supposed to do this. They have to be the alpha type, you know what I mean, which is going to be the last one in this book. The athlete mask is which, uh, well, basically a mask that a lot of men in especially America suffer from because they're never able to get over that hump of being an athlete. Uh, they're never able to show emotion or pain. Ray Lewis is actually a prime example of that because there was one time that he got injured, one of the, the greatest linebacker I perceive to be of all time. He got injured one time. And he tore his triceps. Basically, that's the muscle right behind your bicep, right there in the upper part of your arm. And he tore him, and he wasn't crying whatsoever. And the doctor, the, the medical doctor on the team, you know, she was crying. He's like, why are you crying for, Doc? He's like, you, I would hate to see your career end this way. And so he ended up playing through that pain, playing with a massive brace on his arm, all the way up to the Super Bowl against the 49ers. And they ended up propelling and winning that Super Bowl. And he hoisted that trophy. But... These athletes, these NFL athletes, another one uh, by the name of Ronnie Lott. I think he was a defensive back, played defense, obviously. That man broke his finger. He got his finger amputated just so he could keep on playing. This guy has nine fingers. So the athlete mask, <laughs> yeah, um, they're not supposed to show pain. If they show pain, they're actually deemed as a coward. You could see that in the movie called the Remember, uh, Remember the Titans. Because in Remember the Titans... You know, uh, one of the players, uh, they were going through the camp, and he was like, Coach, man, I need water. He's like, water is for cowards, you know, and he started preaching to him and whatnot. And, yeah, anyways, yeah, that's the athlete mask. You guys could check that out on my speaker.com slash the Arsenio Buck Show. You guys could find that on Google. Just put in athlete mask, and you'll find, like, a probably a series of three or four of them. 
So you guys could tune into that if you're one of those suffering from that. The material mask is what a lot of women suffer from. Now, of course, you got the men, the Instagrammers who pose in front. Yeah, how to become a millionaire, how to become a billionaire. They're wearing all these suits. They're wearing all these watches. But the thing is, they're perceiving themselves to be a very high class, high maintenance type of person who doesn't give a damn about anyone else. Now, Hey, by all means, you can wear whatever you want, but if you walk into a room and you don't have the interpersonal skills, the, the, the self-confidence, the the appreciation, the empathy, all this stuff, and you just think you're higher up and higher above everyone else, you're going to fail. So a lot of women in Thailand actually suffer from this because in point, uh, probably just last week, I was actually taking a minivan. It's a mode of transportation here in Bangkok. I was taking a minivan home, and this girl, she was whiter than white. And so these Thai women, especially the university students from some of the more high society type universities, they actually get injections of gluta. Okay, they call it gluta. I don't know if that's glutamate. I don't know what that is. But basically, oh, it's vitamin C. It makes your skin whiter. Anything that makes it turns your skin a different color is cancer is a cancer inducing agent. I could have a lot of doctors vouch for me on that, especially. Um, and because she was sitting right next to me and we were putting our money in the little basket, she did not want to reach over her shoulder and give the money basket to, uh, the guy sitting directly behind her. She gave it to me so I could do it because she was just so high society. I didn't pick it up right off the back. I should have just gave her a finger and, you know, saying, you know what, give it to him yourself. Get the f*** out my face. So... To actually make matters worse, yeah, I'm not that too, I'm, I'm not too good, guys, but man, I need that retaliation. Man, when I was actually getting out of the minivan, I slammed the door on her. <laughs> no, I didn't slam the door, I actually didn't open the door for her. I cracked it, and then I got out, and then I shut it just a little bit, so she would have to use her own strength to open that door. Yeah, not, not too good. Yeah, I know you're like Arsenio. I know, anyways, this is the material mask. These high society ass hoes, no, I'm serious, I'm, no, I'm kidding, um, no, I'm not kidding about the story, but I'm kidding about calling them high society assholes. That's terrible. But listen, they walk around with their Louis Vuitton. Like I told you, man, I live on the same floor with a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? And so there are women in this condominium that are flawless and wonderful, and they hold doors open, and they're very nice, and they smile. And then you got them punk-ass, ratchet-ass. Okay, sorry. Ooh, boy, I almost had that big moment. You got those women who are like, oh, my God, you open the door for me because I am the bomb, and you're nothing but a slave. Bitch, I'll smack the hell out of you. Anyways, I'm ske- excuse me, no pun intended, but these are the types of... You know what I mean? You you guys know what I'm talking about. You got those women in the clubs out there in Las Vegas. They wear them skimpy-ass dresses, and they got their butts hanging out, and then all the men are, like, gawking at them, saying, yeah, yeah, baby, hey, baby, let me get your number. Hey, baby, can I take you home? And they get all nasty, and, and, you know, they get all angry, saying, oh, my God, why is he talking to me like that? Because your tits are half hanging out, and your butt is showing, okay? So if you're dressed like one, you're gonna get treated like one. If you're dressed like a professional and you were dressed like, you know, wearing a suit and whatnot, they would not treat you like that. Welcome to the material mask. But anyways, that, now that goes for men and women, so I do apologize for calling girls hoes and stuff like that. But the, the ones I, the, guys, if you come out here to Thailand, you know what I'm talking about, okay? I remember my uh, my 16-year-old entrepreneur student, she told me she came in class one day. She's like, oh my God, hoes be hoes. And I started crying. I was roaring in laughter. I was like, how dare you say that? I love it. What happened? And she told me the story. She's like, oh, my God, this girl on the SkyTrain was looking at me like I didn't mean a goddamn thing. And I speak more English than her and this and that. I was like, oh, you need to calm down because you – and 
Oh my god, man. I got stories for days. Guys, the sexual mask. A lot of men out there are like, hey, you know what? The more sex I have with the more women, the more stronger and manlier I become. Wrong. The more of a hoe you become. Okay? Now, men can become hoes too. All right? So remember that. I'm not going to get into that. But you know what? You guys can check that out. So aggressive mask. A lot of men are aggressive. That kind of relates to the athlete mask. The joker mask, I do not agree upon. So I completely uh, skipped that one. Because he was pinpointing Robin Williams. And Robin Williams already had a drug addiction and alcohol addiction. So there are a series of things that he was... Uh, just like Amy Winehouse, she ended up committing uh, suicide. Now, she wasn't a joker. Uh, Greg Giraldo ended up overdosing. And he was a comedian. But he would actually make fun of people in a very, very derogatory manner. Not like Robin Williams in terms of cheering people up. But he had a dark side, okay? So I didn't, I didn't really agree upon that. Because there are a lot of wonderful comedians out there. Like the Eddie Murphys. And um, what is it? The Kevin Hart's who just love being funny and they don't have a dark side, whatnot. But you know what? He did have that childhood where his da- his father was a crackhead, you know, and he was doing a lot of drugs. And his mom, you know, tried to you know make him money and doing whatever she could to make ends meet, such as what my mother did and blah 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 blah. There are wonderful people out there who are comedians. Okay, so you know there are a couple of comedians that ended up committing suicide on you know overdosing and whatnot but that's their own goddamn fault that's because they had a drug a drug addiction no offense but you know people who commit suicide man there are people out there that would be, there are people in Syria who would be praying for their life right now i mean they would love to come back alive rather than having a bomb drop on them you know in a goddamn hospital and these people who have all the money in the world they actually just commit suicide so i uh, no i understand that it's a depressive thing i understand that it's a very strong issue uh, empathy to the families, empathy to everyone else out there who is suffering from that. But listen, you really got to put life into perspective. If you got all the money in the world and you're depressed, it's basically predicated on your thoughts. You need to do a nice big rundown of what the hell is going on in your life because you could pinpoint everything if you just know how to. See, when I'm sad, I go back to my circle of life and I'm like, okay, what's going on? Romantic relationships, that's all right. That's always been that way. But you know what? Physical environment has fallen significantly. Okay, Arsenio, you're not happy in a significant environment. Okay, what's going on? Well, I'm going to end up finding a new job. Okay, go on and do that. Okay, I found one. Okay, uh, now what's going on? Well, I'm still very, very unhappy at this particular location. Okay, well, go talk to someone. So I talked to one of the girls there, and she's like, hey, you need to have a, you need to have a talk with this lady. And so I did, and now that weight, oh, my God. Now that I'm, when I walk in there, when I walk in there this morning, I'm going to be happy as hell. I am. I really am. And I'm going to be happy just because, well, I got everything off my chest. So what the hell am I talking about? Okay. All right, guys. Okay. I don't know where I just went with that. Oh, physical environment. Oh, depression and the Joker mask. There we go. Okay. Oh, boy. I go on tandems, don't I? Anyways, okay, guys, uh, what the hell? Uh, yeah, Invincible Mask. Here we go. So, guys, those are some nice rundowns. If you guys do like, you know, the Invincible Mask, the this mask, or that mask, or whatever mask you want, you guys could go onto my website or to iTunes or to Stitcher or to whatever you want, iHeartRadio. If you're in America and Canada, you guys could tune into some of those masks because I go over a lot of things extensively. So, here we go. The Invincible Mask continued. Lewis Hose. He went over with this friend to uh, one of his father's uh, associate's house. I guess he was an insurance agent, right? So his father was going over some last little bit of, you know, some details in terms of an insurance policy. And so Lewis Hose ended up going throughout the entire house. And so when he did that, he went down to the basement 
He started searching everything. He turned on the light with his friend, and next you know, they came across something. $25, an envelope. His friend took 20 He took 5 He went back upstairs, act like nothing ever happened, but next you know, the next morning, <clears throat> his father ended up coming in. And when his father came in, he sat down on that bed, and he said, hey, Lewis, listen, some money's missing. Some money's missing. Lewis is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And probably less than 24 hours later, it happened again. He's like, Lewis, you lied to me. The other boy, your friend, confessed that you took the money. So Lewis, Lewis's mother and his father drove him all the way back down to that barnyard. And that man was mad. He didn't even want to hear anything Lewis had to say, but he gave him the money back and he said, sorry. And at that specific moment, his father lost all credibility with that insurance agent. But at the same time, that changed Lewis forever. And so even the emotional bank account, like I've talked to you guys uh, about before with his father got a massive withdrawal because Lewis lied to him and Lewis quoted in his book. He said, after that day, I never stole anything again. Something had switched on inside me. I saw that this wasn't the path I wanted to go down. The stoic mask I had been wearing since my brother went to jail. I was holding back a tidal wave of emotions I didn't understand and couldn't control. But this cheating and stealing was the first time I felt like I was actually in control of anything. The more I did it without getting caught, the more in control of my life I felt until inevitably I started to feel invincible. It was an incredible high, just not a positive one. And I wanted to change directions now at that specific moment of talking. So as a young child, yes, I've been through some things. Um, I'm not going to point fingers at anyone, but of course, I do have to give a nice rundown of what I ended up going through through these years. Now, in 1998, 1998, my mom went to jail for domestic violence. They arrested my mom when they should have arrested my dad. She got a restraining order. I was living with my dad. He didn't give a goddamn about us. He sold everything in the house. I barely saw my mom, and I loved my mom so much. I cried every time I didn't, you know, my mom said, okay, you have to go back home. I cried. I missed my mom like crazy because my dad didn't give a damn about us. But he had custody, custody of us. So my father ended up going with this girl named Lisa. We went to a, what is it? Um, I still remember the place, Budget Suites on Tropicana out there in Las Vegas. For those of you in Las Vegas tuning in to me, you guys know where this is. We lived there for a while. And I remember one of my, my father's girlfriend's friend's son. I know that's hard to follow. He ended up punching this guy in the face who was actually my friend. And his mother said, hey, I no longer want... That man, that boy named Arsenio around my son again because your friend punched him in the mouth. For whatever reason, he punched him in the mouth. And I'm like, that wasn't the person you weren't supposed to punch in the mouth. You know, you were supposed to punch him in the mouth. It was the other guy, the guy named Zach. And because Zach was a complete douchebag. Oh my God, he needed to be punched. And then Zach snitched and said, oh, he, uh, Arsenio's friend punched uh, him in the mouth. And I could never hang around with him again. It was a shame. It really was a shame. And seeing these things unfold, it kept on going on and on. And then next, you know, my father left that girl by the name of Lisa for another woman by the name of Kim. We went to another place. And this is when my grades suddenly start dropping. This is when I no longer had my brother in my life because he went to go live with my mother. This is when I saw a lot of nasty ass teenagers, 16, 17, 18 years old. I remember their name, Joe. Blair, actually, Joe's mother was actually mentally retarded. Um, it, or was this? No, it was his aunt. And he lived with her and he would make fun of her all the time. 
So I'm just giving you guys a social blueprint of what I went through and then why I ended up making stupid decisions. And next you know, there was a guy named Art. Joe had a BB gun. He shot it at Art. Next you know, there was a big uproar in that little community in terms of that, um, what is it, that, uh, uh, that apartment complex I was living in on the west side of Las Vegas. And then next thing you know, my grades were terrible. I remember my teacher in fifth grade, her name was Mrs. De La Rosa. She was Filipino. Um, and I remember this guy named Andrew in my class. He saw that I got a 93% on one of my math tests. He's like, hey, you're getting better. And then he was passing out more papers and it went back down to a 50. And I don't know what it was, but all the withdrawals of not seeing my father, my father being in the bedroom doing God knows what with his, you know, his girlfriend at the time. I'm guessing he was doing drugs. Obviously he was doing drugs, but man, we were getting skinnier. I was trying to, you know, get food in my stomach at school. All of these things. We moved to another place with that lady, with her children. And this was the worst area because my brother was hanging around the biggest degenerates of them all. There was a guy named Ozzy who would get in fight and get get in fights in the eighth grade and get suspended all the time my school there was a talk of the talk of the school his name was brett brett was a vicious monster brett would try to fight everybody brett was apparently the best fighter in the school another guy by the name of jamal who had a brother he was also one of those people who would just fight everyone my school was terrible luckily i had a wonderful teacher by the name of miss pilgrim but my grades did end up going back up at that specific moment because my friend one of my close friends who would jump over the wall to go to school his name was alex he had a big beautiful house and i would hang around with him and i would hang around with another kid now these were both two anglo kids (laughs) so i i've had wonderful everyone it doesn't matter what color they are but man it all depends who you hang around with um but at that specific moment there was gang violence there were big fights from students at chaparral high school which is in las vegas in the southeast part And I would see people get beaten up. And then I remember I didn't have any money. I didn't have any food, man. You know, my father wasn't giving me any kind of food. Uh, He would. um, I remember we got so skinny. I remember. Man, I remember one of the teachers. She would come up to me at lunch, even at the previous school. Uh, And she would like, you know, sneak and, you know, grab some food for me to eat at lunchtime because I didn't get. I forgot I had to bring all this stuff in and my dad didn't have any of the proper documentation. So I would literally starve at lunch. And so I was like, dude, I'm so hungry right now. I got to get food. So what did I do? I ended up stealing candy from a store. And no, I'm not proud about it. But there was one moment that everything switched. An African-American man working at the store. He saw me stealing. He grabbed that sneaker or I think it was a Snickers. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I was going to pay for it. He's like, no, you're not. Get out of here. Don't come back. And I cried. I ran home and I cried all the way home. Brother saw me crying. I told him about the story. My brother snitched to my father, which was probably the best thing he could do. And I was grounded for four to six weeks. Never stole again for another year until, well, I don't know. Another reason is another social blueprint. A bunch of badass kids that my brother was associated with. His name was Sean. Now Sean has a tumor, a life-threatening tumor that's ultimately probably going to cost him his life at this given moment. Or probably five, what, six years ago. The last time I actually heard about that story. My brother told me. Um, Another guy, Eric, ended up robbing us. That was my brother's friend. He ended up robbing us, stealing all the games from us on this 2001, one month after the September 11th attacks, and he ended up dying within six months being shot to death. All my brother's friends were degenerates, and they always have been. 
And I was around those people too. Why? Because they were inside my house all the time playing video games. Well, push came to shove. On the same day that we got ransacked, not uh, uh, well, you know what? My brother's friends just ended up running inside the house and doing who knows what. Uh, it was this moment at night where my mother wasn't home. My mother's friend wasn't home. And it just got really, really nasty in that neighborhood at that time. And, oh, man, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, but it's good to get off my chest. Uh, I threw eggs at this guy Eric's door because, yeah, um, you ransacked my home. So I threw eggs at his door. <laughs> Terrible. And on that same day, I was hungry. My mom wasn't home. There was no food in the house. I found a dollar. I didn't know whose dollar it was. Now, obviously, it's my mom's dollar because she was the only one working at the time. And I took it. I had to go buy a hot dog from 7-Eleven. I felt ashamed. I told my mom about it. She whipped me. And I still remember towards the end of sixth grade, I, I realized that everything was going bad in terms of grades. My my teacher, Mrs. Bass, she ended up saying, oh, my God, it looks like you're doing bad in all of your classes. And at that given moment, I said, Arsenio, this isn't even you. And that was the rite of passage. From that point forward, I never did bad again. Ever. Ever. There was a kid named Sergio Bastilos. I forgot his last name. But he was terrible. He was still all the time. He ended up moving away. Thank you. Another guy by the name of Jonathan who would wear shorts down to his ankles. He had an afro. He would rant about, you know, a girl's reproductive organ. And it was based on a song. And I'm like, why would you even say that? Like, I would look at him. He wasn't even my friend. He was just at school at that time. Luckily, he went away. And so the month, or I'm sorry, the summer of 2000, my closest friends were Billy, who I will talk about in the next podcast in terms of the invincibility mask. And so they all moved away. And for that summer, my best friend was Mark Filipino. Uh, What is it? Born and raised in Hawaii. His parents are originally from the Philippines. And my other friend was Andre. His family was very, very rambunctious. I guess you could say that's a good preferable term. And my, the other friend, of course, is Billy. Billy, you know, so I had basically my white friend, Anglo friend, had my Puerto Rican friend, had my Filipino friend. Those are my friends. And they guided me through, I guess you could say seventh grade, eighth grade. They became my life. And I'm lucky that I actually chose that route. I'm very, very lucky because they kept, they became my life all the way up till 2002. Then Mark started hanging around with the wrong people. Then he started skipping class. And I said, Mark, I'm not going to do this with you. I'm going to go on and be part of this marching band. And also his friend by the name of Ralston. Ralston, of course, Filipino and uh, Anglo. It doesn't even matter. But let's just say Ralston. He ended up skipping class too. And Ralston was a fine saxophone player. And he's like, well, I don't want to do marching band on Saturdays for eight hours. And I said, man, this could possibly save your life because that road you're going down right now, it's not good. He ended up dropping out of high school. Mark ended up dropping out of high school. And that was it. Um, I ended up doing marching band along with my brother. And that changed my life forever because I was with these medical students. I was with these Filipinos and these Anglos from all over, you know, all over the world. You know, I'm sorry, all over Las Vegas. And they were all very smart. And I'm like, I want to be smart, too. And then next, you know, my best friend ended up becoming Carlos. And he ended up becoming the vocal cord of who I am. He was a funny, the most funniest, charismatic character ever. And I haven't done a purposeful relationship podcast on him yet, but I should and I will because that was the one that changed me forever. 
And so I was lucky to end up changing that social blueprint because in the beginning stages, when I didn't have any food in my stomach, I had to steal candy. Next thing you know, I got caught and realized that that wasn't good. My father didn't tell me a goddamn thing about in terms of what not to do, what to do. And so I ended up doing that over and over and over, got caught, never did it again. But then, you know, social blueprint again one year later. But then Mrs. Bass, along with, you know, me stealing that hot dog and getting the bricks beat out of me. That was the last time I ever stole. And no one ever told me, taught me from right from wrong. But I had that rite of passage moment. Lewis Ho said in his book, he said, so he turned all his energy towards sports instead of stealing. Me, I just had that aha moment. That uh, maybe that, that, that kit, what is it? The, the Satori moment. That moment of you better wake up now. Because that road you're heading down right now, Arsenio, it's dark, it's ugly, and you're never going to come out. That was year 2000. I think it was March 2000, 18 years ago. Never did anything again. I ended up being a good boy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I ended up, yeah. So Lewis Hose, he had that moment of turning to sports. He said it was a unquestionably a better direction. Though the idea that a change of direction alone would solve the problems was a total illusion. He said he was still hiding behind all those masks. If we are honest with ourselves, those of us who want to achieve tend to believe we can do anything when we recognize mistakes and change direction. In a way, that belief drives us to take risks and do bold things. But I think Louis Hose thinks it's worth pausing to appreciate how much damage it can do if you ignore the underlying problems. You can't just ignore the things you're doing to yourself, to your loved ones, to your body, to your mind, to your reputation, and to your sanity. Because they will all just catch up with you. End quote. So, for those young ones who are listening to this podcast, and you guys understand this in any part of America, on SoundCloud, on any platform, or if you guys are going to listen to this in the next one month, 10 years, 20 years, maybe 100 years. I'm probably being heard 300 years into the future. My great, 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 great grandson is probably listening to this right now. I want you to take notice because a lot of us, we go through these stages in life, whereas, you know, we think we're invincible. We really do. And because that invincibility, it could get us in a lot of trouble. I've been fortunate enough to make all the right decisions from that point going forward. But a lot of you are not. And this is why I really want to reach out to African-American communities specifically because they're hanging around. Those social blueprints are literally killing them, literally, in the south side of Chicago and so many different places scattered all around America. Again, they're in rural America and, you know, the predominantly Anglo America heroin is taking over families. Um, lots of things are happening all around the world. But just know that social blueprint when you're young, that's the dictator. If you let it dictate your life, if you end up hanging around those bad, nasty ass students or <clears throat> those terrible ass guys in the, uh, you know, I mean, and it's they're terrible because they ended up taking up a blueprint. And, you know, and it's just like it's like generational. It's like a chain reaction. This person's bad, then this person becomes bad, then this person becomes bad. There was just one gang member back in the 1960s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, whatever you want to call it. 
It was just one gang member and then it multiplied. And that's what happens in these neighborhoods. So you guys are going to have to figure this out. You're going to have to. And with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. God, that, this was a long one. Oh, my God, another 30-minute podcast. I do apologize for this one, but it was a good one. I went on a rant. I uncovered and I unrevealed some stuff that whew, I don't think I've ever talked about that in terms of Alex, in terms of Brett and Jamal and my father not having. Well, I've talked talk to you guys about not having food in my stomach before, but boy, those are some dark moments I had to just release. But boy, it's a learning process, huh? Because now I'm sitting here and I'm like, we've all been there. We've all done that. You know, so boy, you guys, I want you guys to just think about it. Think about it right now. If you're 15, you're listening to this. You better think long and hard about this and follow my next podcast tomorrow morning. If you guys have been through this and you're 25, 35, 45, whatever it is, you guys are going to be able to look back and say, oh, my God, this mask is ruthless just as a lot of them are so with that being said guys have a wonderful morning afternoon and evening i got so many different types of podcasts and blogs coming up be sure to follow me thearseniobuckshow.com for the blogs i got man i gotta do another podcast right after this so it's in terms of my travel i don't know when that's gonna debut probably later on tonight as a matter of fact and i'll push another one back uh in terms of what would i say to my 19 year old self so anyways, guys, with that, I'm going to say, oh, guys, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening. As always, this is your host, Arsenio, over and out.